Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 19, Proverbs chapter 19. And I do recognize what a challenge it may be this morning. I mean, this is the first time that I've come on a Sunday morning to preach knowing that the congregation has been devastated by an Ole Miss loss like you were last night. Look, I do know it affects people. You know, when I was when I was down in Baton Rouge and LSU would lose or something like that, I mean, you just wells to, you just wells sing a few songs ago. It's like nobody focused on what I was saying that day, on that Sunday. But it, it's, I'm sure it's kind of like that in North Louisiana with Ole Miss. Look, you you better be praying for me this week. Uh, I am going to uh, be visiting this week with uh, Dr. Steve Horn, who is a pastor at First Baptist Lafayette. Some of you know him. I'm going to be visiting with him, and unfortunately, I said a few things this week to him that I probably should not have said <laughs> until after the series. <clears throat> so you might want to pray, pray for us this week. Well, I tell you, God has been good to us as we've been looking through the book of Proverbs, as we've been talking about wisdom, and really, as God has directed us to different passages, we've seen how how God's Word can be so practical to our lives. And not only to our individual lives, but I think even to our families. And in the last week or so, we've talked about how God speaks to us in our marriages, and He speaks to us in our families, and He wants us to demonstrate wisdom in our relationships. And I believe that as God's wisdom is applied to relationships and to families today, that we begin to see families that are healthier, that are happier. Why? Because God begins to invade those arenas of life. And I pray that God would continue to do that as he continues to speak to us. Now, I know many of you guys are very excited about this message today in particular. I was walking around a few moments ago and people were like, good sermon. Good sermon today. You haven't even heard the sermon but you expect it to be a good one. Well, I pray that it is a sermon that somehow speaks to us. As we look, as we study, as we try to be the people and the families and have the marriages that God wants us to have, I pray it would speak to us. I want you to notice Proverbs chapter 19, verse 13 and verse 14. It says, A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. I want you to notice that scripture there. There there seems to be a parallel between a wife who is affirming and one who is not affirming. And I want you to note in that last verse that I read that actually it speaks of the value and the worth of that type of wife. I mean, in Proverbs 31, a passage we looked at some time back, we talked about how valuable it is to have a wife who trusts in the Lord and who affirms her husband uh, and really whose husband can trust in her. Notice here again, it says in verse 14, houses and riches are inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. In other words, you, you can get all kinds of other things from the world. You can inherit, you can have houses, and you can have riches, and you can have wealth. But notice what he says. He says, a prudent, a wise wife is a gift from God. And many of us in this place have experienced God's grace 
as he has gifted us with a prudent wife. Amen? I've always told folks I'm married up in life. And most people believe me when they meet my wife and they've known me. God is good and he is gracious to be able to give unto husbands this wife which is prudent and wise. And I want you to notice that there's the value that is placed there. Why is there such value? That you have a prudent wife because, one, you, have, you experience affirmation instead of aggravation. Now think about that just a moment. That God wants us in our household to experience affirmation and not just aggravation. Notice the parallel here between 13 and 14. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Notice how they line up. In the first one, it speaks about the the irritation, the contention of a wife. In verse 14, it speaks about the wisdom that is experienced in the relationship with a wife. Notice those two. It's like a contrast between the contentions and the wisdom. And in the beginning, you see the aggravation, but in the end, you see the affirmation. And look, Solomon knew a lot about aggravation. He knew a lot about it. How would I say that or why would I say that? Well, if you look through the book of Proverbs, you'll find many uh, reflections upon such aggravation. I want you to note some of these verses, okay? Proverbs 21.9. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Proverbs 21.19. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a, content, with a contentious and angry woman. Proverbs 25.24. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. By the way, I said to note these. Don't quote these, okay? <laughs> Guys... Don't you quote these when you leave this place today. Just note them that this, the scripture speaks again and again of Solomon talking about the aggravation, the contention that he can experience in a household. He says, a continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps all with his right hand. Proverbs twenty-seven fifteen through 16. Notice that there seems to be a theme that is running through these Proverbs a theme that speaks about contention and strife within the house. And he says, it is better to live in a wilderness, it's better to live in the corner of a housetop than with contention in the home. That's what he says. Now, last week I mentioned to you that Solomon had how many wives? 700. So you didn't remember anything else I said last week, but you got that one, you remember, huh? 700 wives and 300 concubines that he had. A thousand women in his life. He knew aggravation. No amens necessary, right? And here he is writing constantly in the Proverbs about the hostility or the contention that he's experienced in his family. He says it's like a continual dripping. Now, for me, when I think of a continual dripping, I think about lying down at night. Now, I know I read the commentaries where it said, we're reading back into this, but for me in my life where I think about dripping, I, 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 can, I can lay down at night 
And all of a sudden, noises that I had not noticed all day long seemed to be magnified. Any of you ever experienced that? Yes, no. It's like the clock ticking. Or perhaps some water that was left and it just just keeps dripping and dripping and dripping. Notice he says, that is the experience here. When you have contention within the household. When you have contention within the household. He says it's like you're dripping. An old Arab proverb, an old Arab proverb, not found in our canon, but certainly an Arab proverb said that three things make a house intolerable. The leaking through of rain, a nagging wife, and bugs. Quite a trio, huh? I'm sorry, I just had to include that when I read it this week. Three things that make a house intolerable. Look, when I read through this and I look at the contentions versus the prudence of a wise wife, I begin looking at our households and knowing that so many of our households are really full of contention. A lot of them are full of contention these days. A lot of our households or even their extended family contention. We see it all across our communities. But what God wants us to experience is the prudence or the affirmation. It's the positive side of the relationship that God calls us to have in our lives. That we are affirming one another. Someone has said that behind every great man is an affirming wife. One who affirms. One who encourages. Now, I will say to you that most all of us, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, most all of us could do better in this area of affirmation. Most all of us could learn to be much more encouraging than discouraging. And I would say that applies to the church's life, that would apply to the family's life, that applies across the board. That many of us, you know, too many of us, Too many of us embrace contention. Too many of us embrace the complaining, the negative side of life. But what God wants us to experience is the affirming relationships that he would put us in all across the board. From the church to the family. Here there's a sharp contrast that is given in verses 13 and 14. Between the contentions... And between the wisdom that is demonstrated. Affirmation. Affirming. A few years ago, a few years ago, I came across a book entitled His Needs, Her Needs. And some of you have read this book. And and actually, I still enjoy it. I, I go back and I read it. And it is a great resource for me as I talk to married couples or as I even uh, counsel uh, couples that are about to get married. It is a great resource. I will encourage people often to read that book, His Needs, Her Needs. It, it was written by this guy named Willard Harley. And if you read it, Willard says that he was counseling these married couples. They would come in and he would talk with them. And it seemed like that he couldn't make any progress. It, it was like they would come and maybe they would meet with him for a few weeks and maybe they would talk about 
reconciling and, and working out their differences. He said, but almost without exception, it would end in a divorce. He said, and he was so troubled by it, he almost was ready to give up. And then he began looking, and he, he started doing some, some uh, case studies and trying to figure out what is going on with certain couples and how could he speak to them and speak to them in such a way that they would recognize their need and they would be able to reconcile together. So he began looking, and what he did is he found the five top needs, what he called needs of the husband, and the five top needs of the wife. And I can't unpack all of these today because we have uh, only a limited time, and some of you are probably very thankful for that. But one of the needs that he noted in a husband's life is the need for affirmation. The need for affirmation. Of course, I kind of come to it and I say, well, he should have read the book of Proverbs. He could have known that without any of the case studies, but his experience confirmed what the book of Proverbs does as it speaks about a wife and the, the, the giftedness of a wife who is affirming and not contentious. He says that the husband, one of the top needs for a husband is affirmation. Well, sometimes I will also use Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. Any of you ever read that one? Some of you have. You've had courses on that one. Some of you need to read that one. Speaks about the way we express our, our love for one another and how there are different ways in which we express our love. And, and we may be loving that partner, but we express it differently than that partner receives it. One of those love languages is called words of affirmation. That's pretty much my love language. Leslie says it is absolutely your love language. Words of affirmation. And usually I want to express to her that type of love and I want to express to her my love through words of affirmation. She's different from me. She's not like me. She doesn't receive, that's not, you, hers is really acts of service. So listen to this conversation. Hey, Les, I love you, babe. I'm speaking words of affirmation for me, right? I love you. You know what she says? Prove it, buddy. <laughs> Take out the garbage. Words are cheap. But we're made differently. And I think God intended us to be made differently. And when I look at the scriptures, when I look at the Proverbs, and, and I see this over and over emphasis upon a, a woman that is, that is somehow affirming to her husband, I think it speaks to the great need that we have. Uh, even in men, that we are affirmed. That there are words of affirmation that God has placed within us Different needs, but needs that we believe that can be met specifically within the context of marriage. I really believe, really believe you could look at Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5. And I think it carries on, maybe it um, explains it even 
more precisely than the book of Proverbs does. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says what? Wives, submit your, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, last week we talked about faithfulness. And we talked about how husbands should be faithful to their wives. Not to say that wives shouldn't hear the same message. Not to say that. But when you read through the book of Proverbs, there's an emphasis upon men being faithful and committed to their wives. Over and over again, Solomon will tell those he's writing to as though he is writing to his own children and he says to them, be committed. Don't go off in the wrong way. Don't follow the temptations of your heart. Be committed to your wife. Over and over again, he says that. And over and over again, in the book of Proverbs, he will speak to the wives and he will talk about how they are not to be contentious, but rather affirming. Now, put that in context of Ephesians chapter 5. Well, in Ephesians chapter 5, what did Paul say? To husbands, he said, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's as though he was saying, be committed. Just like the writer of Proverbs said, be committed. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And Christ Jesus was willing to do anything for his people. He was willing to sacrifice himself for you and for me. That's the way husbands should live in relationship to their wives. And wives, notice in Ephesians, it talks about submission. I think it's the same idea of affirming your husband. Recognizing that there's affirmation for your husband. Now, I'm not calling you to affirm unrighteousness in his life. I'm not calling you to do that. Certainly not. God does not want us to affirm ungodliness or unrighteousness. And I'm not telling you to affirm him in a false type of pretense. Rather, when you affirm him, be authentic, note some things in his life, and be authentic in the way you respond to him. Affirm your husband. Do you know how far it would go in some of our marriages if wives would simply affirm their husbands and husbands would remain committed and faithful and love their wives as Christ loved the church? You'd see a transformation of families, of marriages in our nation. People who would affirm. And you know, you can find something to affirm your husband about. Some of you are thinking, mm, Brother Reggie, you don't know the list I've got or the lack of it. There are things you can affirm in an authentic way. Gary Chapman has told us that as we speak our love languages, that as that love is not spoken to us, we actually become hurt. When we get the reverse of what we need, we become hurt. There's pain in our lives. Note how many men who feel like they have not been affirmed by their wives, how many of them will speak out in hurt and in pain and sometimes act out in hurt and in pain.
wise husbands are faithful. And I think wise wives are those who will affirm their husbands. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Notice, a wise woman is one that is building up her household. Someone who is affirming, who is encouraging, building up the household. But it is the unwise, the foolish, who pulls that household down with their own hands. God wants us to be about building up. And I say again, this applies to marriage, but it applies across the board, doesn't it? I mean, how many of us would not want to be around somebody that is affirming as opposed to somebody who is always negative? In all of our relationships. And again, who, who are authentic in their affirmations. They're authentic. They're real. They're honest. And that they affirm. Now, again, in Proverbs 19, it speaks about the value of a prudent wife, one who is from the Lord. Why, again, so valuable? Because there is affirmation in that relationship and not aggravation. Affirmation, not aggravation. Some of our relationships need that today. Some of our households need that today. But get this, this is the second truth that I think you can see. There is happiness and not hostility. There is happiness and not hostility. Again, the idea of contention, the idea of strife. How many households today are just convulsing with strife? Contention, strife. Says it is aggravating, but it's even more than that. Because this idea of a continual dripping, the idea of a leak in the roof, if you will, that is more devastating to our families than we could imagine. Because think about a leak in the roof. A leak in the roof. Yes, it can be agitating and, and irritating to hear dripping water. But will it not affect the house in a greater way than just aggravation? I mean, if we have leaking roofs, before we know it, we have problems and there's devastation that can come. And that's what can happen in our families over time. You know, most individuals, when they come to a place in their marriage where they're thinking about uh, calling it quits, splitting up, it, it's not something that happened just last week. It's like a continual dripping that's been going on. And while it's not a flood that devastates the house, it is a leak that has progressively had its impact upon the household. Now let's say this. No marriage is perfect and everybody has issues within their marriage. Can you, can you agree with that? I don't know, Leslie, we might work on ours. <clears throat> Everybody has had issues in their marriage. I, I remember one older couple coming up to me one time, and 
they were about to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary, and they said to me, we've never had a crossword. Never had a crossword. And maybe you say that, and I, I don't mean to take away from that, but I'm just going to say to you, I'm just going to suggest one or two things. One, you forgot that crossword that was spoken. And sometimes our memory can be impacted. Or you're just lying. Or you're just lying. I don't... What? 50 years, you telling me there's never been a crossword? All of us have issues. All of us can have problems. All of us can speak something that we should not have spoken. Every individual. We need to hear that. There are no perfect marriages in the sense there's, that there are marriages with no problems at all. But what I'm saying to you, there's a difference in us messing up from time to time or speaking and, and a difference in that and in a continual, constant strife and hostility in which we live. And some people today, unfortunately, are living in a constant state of hostility and contention. I want to read a, another passage, Proverbs 17.1. Maybe just across the page as it is in my Bible, it says... Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Listen to what it says. He says, it's better just to have a, a, a piece of dry bread, <laughs> just a crumb in a house that has found some type of peace as opposed to a house that is feasting and has all the blessings you would think, and yet strife reside there. I think that latter image, I think that latter image describes many of our homes today. Blessed with prosperity, material prosperity, blessed with a sense of feasting, Yet in the midst of it is strife. Some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are living in those situations. Some of you have children. Some of you have siblings. Some of you have grandchildren. We all, including this preacher, can note time and time again where people are living in a sense of feasting and yet strife abounds. Eventually, that strife will have its impact upon the family. And I love this one, the way it's described for us in chapter 15, verse 17. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Better is a dinner of herbs or vegetables, some of your translations will say, where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. I read that this week. And I said, God, you mean that it is better to be able to eat herbs with with, with some type of love than it is a good steak with hatred? I mean, all right now, some of you don't know me well yet. 
But I'm kind of a meat kind of guy. I'm a carnivore. Love a steak. When we were growing up, yes, I love vegetables. Look, I love vegetables. My mother would put vegetables on the table and we would have vegetables out of the garden. and It was great. But you know what? If there was not a meat on the table, we would say, where's the meat? We expected that there had to be a meat at every meal. I got married. Same thing. Same expectation. Leslie, where's the meat? What are you talking about? There's got to be meat. You got to have meat. Listen to what this says. This says that it is better to have just a spread of vegetables, herbs, with love than it is to have a great fatted calf and serve all the steaks in the world and have hatred right there in the middle of it. That should speak to us. Because again, many of us are living off of the fattened calf from day to day in our lives. You say, well, not me now, brother. I'm going to say to you that most of us in this place God has blessed us with a great sense of prosperity, especially compared to most of this world. And yet, in the midst of our prosperity and in our homes, there's a hatred. There's a strife, at least. There's a contention. And what he says is, it's better to have pretty much nothing as long as love abounds. And see, that's really what affirmation is, isn't it? Isn't it just really an expression of our love for one another? We are intentional. I recognize every day how intentional we have to be in our relationships. We have to be intentional in our relationships. They don't just happen. We have to say, we are going to choose this path of affirmation. We have to choose this path of commitment, of faithfulness. We have to be intentional. And I say to you again, that if we have husbands who are wise, who are faithful and remain faithful, who are committed, and we have wives who affirm their husband's leadership, his place, we will see much less aggravation much more affirmation. We will see much less hostility, much more happiness and joy and peace. Because Christ Jesus will honor his word. He has been faithful to us, the church's husband, if you will. And he has called us to affirm him and affirm who he is in our lives. And as we do that, we will continue to see his work and his blessing. I pray that today, wherever you are, husbands, wives who just need a new touch from the Lord, I pray that today in this place, you would experience that touch. And you would see that relationship continue to grow. For those of us who have burdens for others, who are going through maybe strife right now and contention. It's a moment for us to stop and to pray and to ask God to show his grace in their lives as he has to us.
and strengthen different marriages and different families. Because look, when we leave this place, the goal is not just to have spoken a word and have a great message and have a great worship and just see people. I pray that when we go from this place today, there will be families that will be strengthened, marriages that will continue to be reconciled, that we will see God's work in our midst as we stand for him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your practical word, the Proverbs themselves, that speak to us and speak to our families. And Lord, they teach us. Lord, the importance of wholesomeness, of affirmation. And God, we know that this day you've not created us nor our families for strife or contention or hostility. God, you've created us that we might enjoy relationships, that we might enjoy one another, that we might affirm and love one another. And this day, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to that wife that needs to develop a more encouraging spirit. I pray for that husband that, Lord, just needs to demonstrate love as you demonstrated for us when you sent your one and only son. God, work across our congregation today. Speak to us. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen.